Welcome to the Puzzle is Real podcast, where we will be discussing faith, family, and relationships. Hosted by Matt and Melissa Pisani. This is the Puzzle is Real podcast. When you know, you know. Welcome back to the Puzzle is Real podcast, where we talk about faith, family, and relationships. We have made it to number 10. Double digits. Double digits, guys. We are excited. And ten you years. Ten years of doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> were podcasts even around ten years ago? Oh uh, that's a good so. question. I don't think so. If they were, they weren't very popular. Um, yeah, so welcome back, guys. We're excited. Tonight we want to talk about a little bit of Matt's story. We want to get into the background and just a lot of different things. So What's my story? What's your story? It's so long-winded. It's always one of those <laughs> scatterbrained answers, right? Well, I guess take us back to, what, like college-ish? Yeah. When you were trying to figure things out, right? Yeah, so, you know, not to go, well, I guess we'll give it in segments, right? So in college, for me, I was not living a healthy lifestyle, so I was a party animal, and I was the guy. And again, I share this more of a, um, I guess, just to give you some, to paint some color to a picture, but not to like brag or like glorify it, because obviously it was a really bad situation. I was a partier, you know, drinking, um, smoking weed, doing um, whatever I wanted to do, living that lifestyle, and also I was a very likable person where i had a lot of different friends everybody looked to me for a good time and that became like part of my what i thought my identity was was like being that guy that got everyone together to gather and to party and specifically to drink you know every day of the week and you know i think for me at the same time pursuing different dreams right i was trying to get my college degree my bachelor's and i was also trying to get a record deal with hip-hop music, right? I was a rapper, I was a hip-hop artist, and some people don't realize that was part of my past, but it was a real big part of it. And back then, I actually had a lot of opportunities to put it out there. So, you know, there was these different hats, or I would like to say masks that I was wearing, different things that I was doing. And I was a very dynamic person, I guess, at that point in my life, being in my early 20s. You still are. Trying. <laughs> I feel like more of an older fine wine. <laughs> um yeah so like you know i wasn't following god's direction nor was i even looking into the word of god to see who i truly was called to be so i guess i was considered in the christian world a backslidden believer because i was not living a godly lifestyle and i had rejected it and said you know what i'll do all that when i get older when i retire i'll start going back to church you know i was thinking age 50 plus maybe who knows i had this agenda this this other plan and um yeah it led me into starting to do cocaine and that became a a drug of choice at college and it became very quickly something that i enjoyed doing and of course like anything sin feels good for a season and then it wears out and you realize you're just chasing that wind right you're going after something that is meaningless and for me you know, you were just chasing the high and 
misery loves company. So of course you find other people that maybe have different issues or just other addictions as well. And now you're all together. So, you know, that was a big turning point, I think, in my lifestyle of truly becoming an addict without modeling it. Like I wasn't a guy that was cashing in my bag of bottles just yet and living in the streets. But, you know, hey, down the road, I ended up doing some of that stuff. In other words, I was, you know, having parties and cashing in bottles and get, oh, I'll put this towards beer. You know, so you start like emulating and doing some of the things that people do when you're an addict. Like you make sure you have the money for your booze. You make sure you have the money to throw in on whatever it is that's going to be going on at the next party. So real quickly, I think that was a um, a moment of just shame and maybe even just condemnation without me dealing with it because I almost felt like I always had to be higher drunk. Um, also super uh, cautious of like how I did certain things. In other words, you didn't want everyone to know that you were doing such a hard drug in certain settings because I think some of my friends would have been like, what are you doing? Or especially family. So you have that. And then the other side of it was just like the immorality of just like the womanizing and just all the junk that came with like toxic relationships. So I was having anger issues. There was a um, a ton of arrogance and I think pride tied into it. So the devil really came in and um, took a, a piece of my you know, heart and soul for that for a, a temporary time, and really tried to feed me lies and um and feed me toxic behaviors. So, what do you think the root of those behaviors were? What do you think that was from? I think the root was from a young age when I was physically bullied and um, even verbally bullied as a young kid. You know, I got. Mm-hmm physically bullied at like the age of five i was literally getting beat up by kids in my neighborhood coming home with bloody noses getting kicked in the crotch i mean things that were so like nasty were already being put on me at such a young age and though i had a great family structure i had a mom and dad i had a sister i had family that loved me you know we were going to church at that time i grew up in the church right but yet there were wounds i didn't know how to deal with and a lot of insecurities you know i had i think i've told you that I had like a fat stage and people always laugh like, yeah, right. But I literally had a stage where I had this huge butt and you saw old videos. <laughs> you saw my, me growing into my no, butt. It was cute. It was like, you know, that little chubby season that some kids go through between the ages, I don't know, maybe like 10 to 12, like that age. But Yeah, but uh, you could see I was an easy target. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I feel like now that, we'll, and we'll get into that, we go into schools with our nonprofit and we're going to, dive into that as well but you know seeing these young kids who maybe have those insecurities and who are going through really hard times because of the way that they feel and now it's social media and everything else it's like you have all those pressures on top of that we didn't have that right no we didn't we didn't have that we didn't have something that we said 10 years ago now comes to surface you know these kids are gonna have to deal with that but anyway so yeah so you got so so you got that part of it right like literally not being able to do a push-up when other kids my age were, mm-hmm. like, getting stronger and, like, lean muscle. I remember, like, crying, getting upset and, like, you know, grabbing my fat on my stomach and just, like, being like, why am I going to lose this? Aww. And then within, like, a summer of going into, like, seventh grade, I hit a little growth spurt. And all of a sudden, I was, like, this string bean with ag- acne and zits playing sports. And so quickly, now I had this, you know, um, chance to redefine myself. Not that I wasn't already accepted by my peers because you know one of the things that you know, i was still into ath- athletics and into sports so it wasn't like i wasn't an athlete but 
now I felt like I had like this physique that wasn't making me at least look like I was insecure, but inside I still had that insecurity and that followed me into my young adult life of feeling like I still was like the chubby kid inside or like that I had to make sure that I wasn't a target, you know, that I was going to always be on the, on maybe the de defense, right. Of what people may say or do. And it's kind of ironic in a way, because what did I end up trying to do? Break down other people by the form of the music that I was trying mm -hmm. to follow. And, you know, I say this all the time to kids, like hip hop is amazing if you use it for the right reasons, if you yeah. use it for good. I mean, there's a lot of junk out there, especially nowadays, but you know, there was a season of life where, you know, hip hop could be used and still is used to build people up and encourage them. So I think that, you know, going into like the MC battle circuits and like doing these one-on-ones where you have to like make fun of the other guy or have punchlines to like diss them or like call them out. That was part of me letting out some of the inner anger and, mm -hmm maybe the wounds I had from a little kid that I never dealt with fully. And also knowing, I think, since you weren't walking with the Lord at that time, your identity was in the world, you know, was in superficial totally. things. It wasn't in how God sees you. And I think that's where a lot of kids struggle is because, oh, I need to fit in with this person or that person, but that's identity issues, right? The, oh, yeah. And like, I think of like, and we've talked about this on a personal level, like how many times I, I blew probably thousands of dollars on identity whether yeah. it was clothing or yeah. unnecessary the image the image like blowing money at like clubs or bars or, or just whatever there were so many ridiculous things i mean if if someday i'm sure that i'll be reminded of not in a bad way but i'm sure like when i sit down with the lord someday uh, you know lord willing when the time comes and God shows us our life and says, hey, look at some of the things like, you know, just to reflect on what he took me out of, not mm. because it's going to be, yeah. you know, because that's all been forgiven by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus, by me recommitting my life to him right. and, and rededicating my, my total walk to him, mm -hmm. which was 2010. So yeah, it's been a while. But, you know, leading up to that, it was like phew, crazy stuff that I was like literally almost killing myself in different ways just to you absolutely could have yeah yeah and and you know a lot of times you'll bump into people like oh 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 you're sober oh you're clean oh that's amazing and but yeah but it's so much deeper than that and it, and it goes back to our faith like this is a podcast that we developed for family we've been talking about it relationships oh we've been talking about that and then there's faith right and like my faith in god and in jesus is what i truly believe kept me alive because there were times where I literally thought I was going to die. And I think yeah. I've told Melissa, like I remember like grinding my gums, my teeth after like a night of binge drinking and drug usage. And the next day, just like, you know, just like, what is wrong with me? And, like feeling like little heart palpitations, mm -hmm. almost like a little, just like weird, anxious rhythms, you know, that you can feel. And it was a mixture, I think of withdrawal, but also the beat down of the body. So you got like all these things that God was just like, pouring out his grace right his his unmerited favor the the favor we don't deserve mm -hmm. and then his mercy and his compassion over me as i'm like going around the same mountain so when i connect with people and they're like oh you know you you were an addict and they're oh well where did you get help or where did you go and you know it's obviously on a one-on-one -on -one, i always tell people like i didn't go to a facility those are important and, and they're necessary and i believe in them but for me god cleansed me of that addiction mm which was a miracle in itself. Oh, absolutely. So after college, or you were going to college to become a teacher. 
Yeah. You're not a teacher today, so tell no. us. What, so God redirected <laughs> you a few times. How did that happen? That's a good question. So yeah, so I um was getting my master's in education to teach uh, special education, and I had an opportunity to um to teach for a bit, and still was an addict, still was partying outside of teaching. Got to pour into kids' lives, but you know, as soon as school ended, I was organizing happy hours and doing whatever I could to continue to, I think, cover those wounds, mm. the things that I was mm -hmm. feeling um, more insecure. Um, at that point, I was like doing a lot of powerlifting and I put on a lot of weight. I almost became like more bulky and just like yeah. inflated and even like bloated looking because I was taking like the uh, supplements. I never did like illegal steroids or anything, but just like taking supplements, eating a lot, like doing more like mass building. It changed my whole look. So now I had like, you know, this other identity, like where I was more of a bigger guy where like mm -hmm. not as much lean muscle, but now bulkier. And again, it's still it, battling with image, image mm -hmm. and wanting to feel like, oh man, if like, mm -hmm. if I have a problem with somebody, like, you know, they're going to have a problem. In other words, and I had that, that, that arrogant to when you were bullied, when I was a bully, when I was bullied. When yeah. When bullied. I was, yeah. When yeah. I was a bully and now I was like looking like a bully. In other words, yeah. now I was like, and I remember at times engaging with people or if someone like bumped into me or something and I was again, you know, wounded and scarred. I'd been in violent altercations. I'd been in fights and all these things. So now I was always the type that didn't look for them, but yet I always had that um, issue of anger that when it happened. So I have this image. I'm wrestling with my life. I'm wrestling with all the things I had done career. wrong. The career, um, the addiction, the um and I've told Melissa this, like even all these girls that I had wounded and hurt, like people mm -hmm. that I had manipulated, and we know manipulation is of the devil. So I was doing all of these things that were not of God. Yeah. And it was really cool that during all these crazy moments, God kept reminding me that he was there. Mm. And I'd have moments where people would either reconnect with me that I knew from the church or from different times, or I'd just meet people that were believers and it would convict me to be like, Oh, I used to do that, or I used to. Oh, and then like, yeah. oh, I'm a Christian. Like, mm -hmm. it's like people that are at the bar with a drink. Like, oh, I'm a Christian too, but it's like you're not allowing Jesus to operate on the inside. It's like no, he's outside of everything. I've, I've, I've made my own decisions of what I'm going to do. Right. So I've, right. I've uh, gone through that pattern at that point in my life, and you know there was an exit way out, and it was, um, it was partially I think because. You know, my mother was still going to church and she invited me to go to church. And she mm -hmm. was like, hey, you should come to church once in a while. And I used to go. Like, you know, I used to do the holiday thing. Like, right. Hey. So anyway, you get down this road of starting to go back to church and what, what starts happening? You start feeling the presence of God mm -hmm. in these meetings and these gatherings. And, you know, you start feeling conviction and you start feeling a heart of repentance. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was just a, an emotional roller coaster ride for me. And it was a battle even then that I was starting to show up at some of those holiday events, specifically like say Christmas Eve, where I would go drink and then show up to church with like a holiday sweater on and be like sweating in the pew because right. I was like basically borderline probably drunk, if mm -hmm. not maybe drunk, because I don't even remember, but I was definitely buzzed mm -hmm. going into the church, dealing with my addiction, dealing with my identity, mm -hmm. dealing with a, a condemnation of like, oh, how could I ever be forgiven for all the stuff that I've done, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you literally keep going down this rabbit hole of addiction. And at the same time, as a backslidden believer in Christ, 
God's like coming after me a hundred miles an hour, a mm-hmm. thousand miles an hour, a million miles an hour, just like not giving up on me and continuously giving me an open door to walk back to him and to embrace him. And, and that's basically what happens. You know, I went down a dark road of, of addiction to a point where I felt like I couldn't get high anymore. I couldn't get drunk anymore. And I had enough and I was finally at a point of no return and I came home and I've shared this story in public settings with people all the time when we go out and do things, um, whether it's with our nonprofit or just ministry related, where I came home, I was living at my parents' house at that time. They had a finished basement and I literally did a walk of shame where I was wearing my clothes from the night before and I didn't have my keys. So I went to the back door of the house. My mother ended up being home that day. She was a school teacher and she was off of work. I guess she took off for some reason. So it was definitely a God moment where she was home to like let me in. Yeah. And I had to deal with like humility and shame. And my head was down. It was kind of like a little puppy dog. Like, oh man, like my mom's looking at me. I'm, I look strung out from the night before and I have to like explain why I'm not at work. Because mm-hmm. at this point I had shifted careers and I was um, doing things in finance and I was like, oh man, I should be at work right now. And she had a choice to either judge me and ridicule me or to love on me. And she chose love. She chose to love me like Christ loves us, like Jesus loves us. And and that was like the final straw. For whatever reason, I had gone through so many like terrible situations and just so many emotional, um, I believe, like battles and obviously the addiction that I finally went down into my basement um, apartment area and I just laid down. I was exhausted and I just just felt it was time. I was like, all right, God, like I got to, I got to try to do something. Well, didn't she say to you, Matt, you don't look so good. Right. She can notice that. Why don't you go get some rest? Right. Because she answered the door. She knew what was up. She knew what was up. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, she was basically, and I always say that too. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you don't look too good. And I said, I don't feel too good. And I couldn't really look at her. Mm. And she knew like, she's like, something's not right. And she knew I was hanging around the wrong types of people and, and just, um, and she had seen it for years. It wasn't like it was, I, you know, my mother's street smart. She knew, the deal, but she also knew that the only way it was going to be broken was through prayer and yeah. intercession. And she was praying, and a lot of other people yeah, were I was praying. Say, think about how many people were people praying, praying for, for you. me when I yeah. was in that lifestyle, when I was yeah. on the other side of the fence. So you know, you look through all this, and this was going into my late twenties, and you know, God literally gave me a fresh start, a clean slate. You know, mm-hmm. I started over, and you know, it, it took me um, some time getting back into discipleship and connecting with men of the church to um to learn more about the word of god and to learn who i was called to be and truly repent Mm -hmm. and i remember i went to a men's retreat that year of 2010 and you know i just got blessed i got blessed with um the men and just different people that were coming around me and and just uh throughout the um process i had people just constantly covering me with um with prayer and accountability yeah that's important. Yeah. So, you know, the, the the big part of this was just the um the surrender to say, all right, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but mm-hmm. I have faith that God's going to get me through it. So the cocaine addiction was done, snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. The alcohol took a little bit longer. You know, it took me a little time. You know, there were a couple of relapse moments where I was like, oh, I think I could still have a drink once in a while. Oops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that was just my immaturity of just not realizing how, like, deadly that stuff is. Um, especially for an addict, you know, and, and, and that eventually fell off as well. And then it was just a healing process of the things that 
had wounded me and God just healing those wounds and just cleansing my mind from all the junk that I had exposed my mind and spirit to. And the enemy had lost again. In other words, he thought he had he had one for, for his side and thought that he was going to um, continue to feed me those lies. And the Lord just broke that thing, reminded him that he's a liar and that he's been sentenced to hell for eternity. And I got lit up on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I've never been the same since. And I think it's just you know, icing on the cake that we have this nonprofit that we get to do together that I had started back in 2012. And the vision was to go into places where you can't talk about your faith. You can't talk about Jesus, but you could talk about starting over. Mm -hmm. So we started Clean Slate Living, a secular nonprofit where we go and talk about self-worth and identity. Mm -hmm. And bullying is one of the things that I always like to share about and also addiction, how it led me to addiction. In other words, Mm -hmm. the wounds uh, as a young person sometimes lead us into toxic and dangerous behaviors and yeah it's just um been a whirlwind almost eight years of clean slate living as a nonprofit, and we've seen thousands of people touched lives changed uh, a movement that has stirred internationally and this all was again part of god's plan by his specific direction and also um by the faith in jesus christ that i surrendered my life and my will to his will well, and you also missed a big chunk when you went to the New Jersey Police Academy, State Trooper Academy, right? Right. Yeah. Before. So yeah. So there was you that went small, to college to become yep, a teacher. teacher. Went into finance. Went into finance. I called to be a state trooper. Right. Yep. So you went through the whole process of becoming a state trooper, yep. and then you got to the very end. Yep. And what happened? And I didn't work out. I had failed my uh, firearms test mm-hmm. a month before graduation. And yeah, and we could talk about that specific story. Yeah, a lot more. That's a really deep, yeah. and it's a great testimony. But yeah, that was a, a huge redirection back to New York. I thought I was going to live in Jersey. I had a whole plan. I was going to be in law enforcement and do finance on the side, you know. And God was giving me visions in there about Clean talking to youth and talking, the, yeah. being in the community as a, as a um, an advocate, right? But I yeah. thought I was going to be doing it as in law enforcement. But mm-hmm. He had another plan, so vision and purpose was being confirmed while I was in this academy and now it all makes sense. Yeah, no, it all does make sense. And I think that God obviously wanted you to go through certain things and to experience certain things so that you can use your testimony to save so many other lives. And now you're on a platform, we're on a platform that can reach, you know, thousands and thousands of people and you can share your testimony and say how you know you were at your rock bottom and you were an addict because sometimes people who are going through something don't want to listen to someone who hasn't been through it right and you've been through a lot of different things i mean we all have i don't have the addiction part of the story i've always talked about self-worth and my heart is always to see change especially in young girls and to speak life into them and Mm -hmm. to let them know that their life has value and that they're worthy and that you know, they're not an accident. And that that goes for everybody, but I just have a really big, just soft spot for young girls because I feel like there's not a lot of positive role models out there for women. Absolutely. So yeah. I think that it's so important that our, mes- our message is just heard loud and clear. But yeah, I think God obviously was with you the whole time, you know, going through all of that. And he was just waiting for you to fully surrender and say, okay, I'm ready for what you have for me. Because I think you tried to kind of, 
do things in your own will. And I think right. we all try to do that with our own will and say, oh, no, 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 this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. But as soon as we submit our life to him, that's when God's like, okay, now you're ready. This is what I have for you. Right. And that's what you did. Yeah, and I think when you um, you find your identity in him and not in all of these things, and you glorify him through these things mm-hmm. that he entrusts you with, yes. that's when everything starts to go into place. And yeah. and and that's the beauty of it. And, I, and yeah, and I know we'll talk more about CSL and just the rewrite tomorrow vision, but that's that's all about him. Like our identity is not even like we know that, but you know, it's yeah. that's just something like hey, it's an offering back to God by serving others and getting to love young people and meeting them where they're at. Yeah, it's using our gifts and talents for His glory. And I think that's so important for people to realize, you know, it's not a self-serving right. nonprofit. You know, we're not doing this to glorify ourselves. We're doing this to let them know that, I mean, obviously we can't talk about our faith when we're going into public schools, right. but we come in with the heart of Jesus talking to these kids with genuine love and respect. And we want to see change and we want to see them rewrite their tomorrow and to clean their slate. So that's kind of the message behind that. But we wanted to give you a backstory a, bit of matt this week that way you can see you know kind of the progression of where we are today and yes. where you've been where i've been and now you kind of it's like a little bit of a full picture of right now you can see why we started the puzzle is real yeah and you know if all that doesn't happen we never met that's right so it's literally back to even the broken road yeah, no, it led so us to true. each other. <laughs> so, you know, so if you've been listening to every episode, you're like, message, yeah. message, whoa, cha-ching, cha-ching, I mean, light bulb. Think about it, you guys. I mean, if you look back at your life and you're just like, in the moment, you're like, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Then you look back and you're like, wow, thank God. And like God has just led you to exactly where you are. And yeah, God bless the broken road. But you could just see his hand in every little detail of your life if you really just look deeply into it you're like wow that was all god because he protected me you know or yeah. he directed me or whatever it may be but it's amazing so thanks for sharing your story matt my honor thank you my <laughs> love and thanks for everybody for just keeping us going here this is awesome we love just sharing this this journey with you and we hope that we get to continue to um just encourage and inspire everyone out there and please, if you haven't already, you know, reach out to us. Let us know how this has been blessing you or ministering to your friends. And if somebody hasn't heard it before, share it with them today. We love you guys. Have a great day or night. Peace. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Puzzle is Real podcast. Please subscribe today and share with a friend. See you soon. <laughs>